Ah, we are live. Welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, I am one of your co-hosts, Blake Rafino. Alongside me is the Joe Burrow lookalike. See, I didn't say Jeffrey Dahmer tonight. I said, oh, you're nice tonight. See, you're looking good. The hair's looking good. The love handles are gone. We you're buttering me up. You're buttering me up for what, what's about to happen. Well, I buttering you up because it's about to go down. Marcus Freeman making absolute Rudy Poo uh. comments on Brian Kelly here tonight. We talk about it. You're going to clip it because it's going down. Hashtag Kevin Hart. All right, let's do it. I, look, I'm excited. I, I think that there, there's a lot of insinuation that is being done by not just you, not just you, a lot of media outlets out there as we're talking about are, are diving in this into this a lot. Uh, I'm excited to to get after it with you. We all know that the best part about this show is when you and I argue. That's what people come for. They yeah. don't come for the, the the cordial conversations. They come for the damn arguing. They come for the shouting. I got to say, Blake, though, shout out to Zach for the countdown that he put together. Yeah. That music. That music got me so juiced up. And it's like, this is we're about to fight. Like, I felt like we were about to fight. Like, it really set the tone for the debate that we're about to have right now. I told this story on AYS, and my dad has confirmed it. Uh, did you know as a kid I was forced to box? Did I ever tell you about this? Yeah. yeah. And it really helped with my footwork, like football-wise. But me and my brother got Mike Tyson gloves for Christmas, signed like fake sign. You know, you buy like the Mike Tyson gloves for so for Christmas. Me and my brother were boxing. Now, he's about nine years older than I am, okay, and so he's just playing around. He's not trying to hurt me. He's really not, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, my brother, like, I, he's teaching me to bob and weave, and I'm, like, throwing fake punches. Well, my brother throws, like, a very just innocent jab. Well, I'm bobbing and weaving, and I bob right where the punch is going, and, brother, he punches me right in my nose, and <laughs> I just start bleeding everywhere. I was, like, nine, I was like seven, okay? Uh-huh. The next morning, my grandmother, who lived across the street, a four foot eleven Italian woman, had the biggest bonfire you could have ever imagined in your life, and the Mike Tyson boxing gloves were in there. And she told my dad, "I dare you to come over here and say something." My baby just got punched in the face. Rest what? in peace to my nana who threw him away. I'm just letting you know. So yes, oh. I did. I did do some boxing. That's oh. that's character building. That is character building. That is how you get tough. And I'm sure that set you up to be a college offensive lineman. What set me up, my brother, similar kind of similar story. My brother hit me over the head, a full speed swing, not a light jab, with a metal lunchbox when I was a child. Uh, oh, and that, no that wonder why your takes are so bad. Oh, shut up. <laughs> that only give me a scar. No, no, uh, I don't no think wonder any. you're a Notre Dame fan. Like now this just makes sense. <laughs> it just very, makes sense. Very funny. So nevertheless, if you missed the news today, Jalen Carter has two. Uh, so listen. A lot of alleged, uh, by the way, I don't want to like. Correct. We don't want to, we don't want to Pat alleged. McAfee ourselves. Well, and it, well, he can't, he, he can't, that, that it's not, that's not going to happen. So a lot of people who have followed me in the past know a little bit of my legal background. They, the the, the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution got it wrong. He does not have two warrants. He has one warrant with two attachments. That's why normal human beings don't understand what they're talking about, okay? Yes. It's two charges. It's not two warrants, okay? that uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
you are so bad at your job, okay? So we'll talk on Jalen Carter. Unfortunately, it, this situation comes with two people passing away. Um, but Joe, I what I'm going to say on this tonight, I don't want to, I, I don't want it to be misconstrued. Yes. So I'm going to try my best to say, and I know that you feel the same way about this. We're just going to try to talk about, you know, like the facts and not get into political mumbo jumbo. Correct. And like I've. I've already been thrown through the, not the ringer, but like I've already had multiple radio, radio spots today and taped multiple shows talking about this stuff. So like I've already done enough talking about this. And I think that for the context of the show, it, it has to be talked about. I don't want to do like you're saying, I don't want to speculate what could have happened, what we do know what happened and his involvement in the situation. Uh, it's concerning regardless. And if there is a warrant for his arrest and it sounds like there's a lot of evidence, allegedly a lot of evidence in the circumstance, we're going to get into it, but it doesn't need to be talked about because. Yeah, probably- we'll we'll start off with that because you're right. We probably need to start off with that. I think we will have differing opinions. We're not going to argue on this one, just yeah. opinions, because I don't think that you can argue about this. Yeah. Also, to wrap up the show, there were some people added to the college football playoff committee. Uh, Chris Alt, who's a Hall of Fame coach, was added to the committee. Miami of Ohio AD David Saylor. In Washington, AD Jennifer Cohen. We'll we'll talk about that as we wrap up the show. So, Joe, we got a lot of topics we need to get into here tonight. So let's waste no time. Everybody, do us a favor by hitting like and share. So many of you are killing it for us on Facebook. Over fifteen hundred views and like, or not likes, but over fifteen hundred views. The last couple of shows. Continue to do us a favor. Hit the like button. Share. Share to all of those Facebook groups. We appreciate you doing that, Joe. We're continuously getting closer to the 1,000 subscribers on Killing YouTube. It. So $200 giveaway. Go subscribe to the a- to the AYS uh, uh, YouTube channel and Rafino and Joe Show, which you're currently watching uh, right now. Everyone listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe as well. Don't forget to do that if you are listening to us on the audio version. Joe, let's do this because we do have so much we got to get into here tonight. Let's talk about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. We're back in 50 seconds. Stay tuned. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. We're back. Just going to throw this out there because LSU took LSU took down the Longhorns. <laughs> Horns down as the Tigers did beat uh, the Texas Longhorns 3-0 in an electric baseball game last night. How people don't watch college baseball when it's like the major league playoffs every single night to some extent is unreal to me, but I, I digress. So Joe, let's get into this Jalen Carter thing right quick. So 
again, some of you know the story, but just in case that you don't, on January the 15th, there was an incident that occurred in Athens, Georgia, where a couple of people passed away. So 24-year-old staff member Chandler LaCroix and offensive lineman Dave, uh, Devin Willock um, were driving in Athens and got into a car accident where they were pronounced uh, dead on arrival. Warren McClendon, an offensive lineman, and Victoria Bowl, uh, Bowles was also in the vehicle when they wrecked. Uh, Victoria had serious injuries where Warren McClendon and another offensive lineman walked away with scratches, a couple of scratches and dinks uh, and bruises. Uh, it was reported today by the Atlantic Journal-Constitution that LaCroix was driving approximately 104 miles per hour when she wrecked with a blood alcohol content of .197, which is double the legal limit. Police said that Jalen Carter now is involved, and there's two or a warrant. This is what they said. There is not two warrants. There's a warrant with two attachments on Jalen Carter, as he did then respond back to uh, the, and came back to the scene, allegedly per this report. Yeah. However, Joe, since then, Jalen Carter has responded saying that the reports by the Atlantic Journal-Constitution, along with his attorneys, say that this is not true. Uh, let me give you the floor on this one first because I think I might be a little long-winded. But Jalen Carter considered probably or possibly the number one overall pick. I don't think he will just simply because somebody's going to move up in the draft and take a quarterback. But for argument's sake – if that were not the case, he would be the number one overall pick. Let's say if the Bears probably didn't take him, regardless of, you know, not to fight over semantics, yeah. but it's a really uh, highly touted guy coming into the draft. I guess, what are your thoughts on J on the news with Jalen Carter today? Yeah, before this, Jalen Carter, I think without a doubt, was him and Will Anderson were the top two just prospects in general in the class. If we were to put them on a big board, it would be 1A, 1B for me. For Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, extremely talented player. We knew what he brought to the table because of how dominant he was. And we talked about this the whole entirety of the season for Georgia as they went on this national championship run, that he was a big reason why they were so successful. Not necessarily a stat sheet stuffing guy, but one who caused so many problems for uh, a lot of opposing offensive lines. But now this season's been a little bit marred by this incident, the Stetson Bennett incident. And then now, when this previously was reported, we're rehashing it. A wound is being reopened for the people that were involved with this for the program because of the big entity that's attached to it. Jalen Carter, the de facto leader of this defense, is the one who's attached to it. I have been trying to figure out, Blake, over the whole day, what does this do for him as a prospect? And I think that if, if there is enough evidence for them to put a warrant out for his arrest, and you have more of an understanding of the legal system than I do. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that that I do. I think that that is very concerning for NFL teams. And the timing of it is, is just horrible for Carter because even if the truth is when he put out this statement that there is no truth to him being involved in this incident and that he was not racing, that he was not trying to or traveling at very high speeds and overtaking other vehicles. If that's not true for this to happen at the beginning of March, it's not going to get resolved in, in the next month and a half. And because of that, I think that is going to cause a lot of NFL teams to freak out and take them off the board. My main reasoning for that is what happened a year ago with Henry Ruggs. 
And I know that that is a, a the more extreme, extreme circumstance where he physically, he was the one who killed somebody for driving while intoxicating, intoxicated at a very high speed. But because there are some slight similarities here, I think that, that NFL teams are going to be very careful and afraid to make a move and draft a guy like Jalen Carter early. I will disagree and back and, and, and not argue, but I will I will push back on some of the areas that you just said. I don't think I I, I don't think that they will take him off the board. Okay, like I don't think this is a Lael Collins situation. Remember when Lael Collins? That came was out? another one I brought up too. Talking about this is it. It also gives some shades of that where you can draw parallels to how much he that crashed in a murder trial though. Like yes. that's completely different. Okay. Yeah. Let me preface this by saying, okay, this I am not victim blaming when I tell you this. I like if you know anything about me, you know my background in law and things like that. So I'm going to give you the law perspective of this. If Jalen Carter is going to get popped and get arrested, are you going to do a preliminary hearing on uh, Chandler Lacroix? who was the driver of the vehicle and killed somebody else inside of her vehicle. Because if hypothetically, like you brought up with Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs is still alive and went to jail and is probably and more than likely going to face prison time behind this, okay? Yep. With that being said, why wouldn't Chandler LaCroix? You have her blood alcohol content that's a DWI. You have her killing someone that's inside the vehicle involuntarily. That's involuntary manslaughter. So my point in this is there are things in our law enforcement and in our system, what it's called pretty much, I, I'm not going to give you the legal and Latin terms, which a lot of law is, is just Latin terms, but basically would be a post-mortem trial so that the families of the victims, the other, you know, the victims like Devin's family can get some kind of understanding and closure behind this. Jalen Carter if he is involved, okay, if he is involved, due process does have to play out. Just because you're charged does not mean that you did it or you're guilty, okay? In this country, we are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Right. She's the one, she's the staff member who had a 2021 Ford Expedition leased by the University of Georgia. She's the staff member that was in the driver's seat of the vehicle racing when she is employed by the University of Georgia. She also raced. She also initiated some things, too. So when you see something like this, a lot of people are blaming Jalen Carter for the death of someone. Where, yeah. I, under, where I understand where the connection of what people are going on to with this you're going to hit him with something that now he's coming out and saying is inaccurate. My my point is, if you're going to bring charges on Jalen Carter. Right. So, like, that's where, and I understand why those that are taking it that step further, why I understand why he's coming out and saying this is inaccurate. For him to be blamed for the outcome of this, that's wrong in my opinion. That's well, very, very Joe, wrong. To really interrupt you here, let me tell you something. And there's nothing – so I gave one of my pet peeves last week. Mm -hmm. Here's another pet peeve of mine in sports. Why did you release the arrest warrants and get them signed on the day that he was supposed to talk to the media at the NFL Combine? It's ridiculous. 
It's more than ridiculous. Let me tell you what it is. And, and he found out 15 minutes before he was supposed to go no, up on the podium. Well, he no, probably he, knew, but no, he, he knew. got pulled 15 Correct. minutes before. The timing so, of it couldn't have been more obnoxious. Well, so let me tell you what some law enforcement officers, especially elected ones, what elected officials do, Athens Police Department, okay, police chief, elected, or promoted into that position by the mm -hmm. Athens mayor, however they do their legal system, and the district uh, district attorney is an elected official, okay? How how much better to get reelected in a reelection season and year than to do something like this? Now, what they a lot. It happens a lot. So I'm not sticking up for Jalen Carter. Let me play the other side of what I'm going to say here. If he's racing, if he's involved with this, he should face penalty for the misde misdemeanor charges yes. that he has to face. Now, yes. here's another thing. Joe, there's a thing in the legal system called a mister what's called a misdemeanor summons. What a misdemeanor summons is is that you don't you technically arrest someone, okay, but you do not put them in handcuffs, bring them to jail, book them, get a photo of them, yada 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 yada. You don't have to do that. They can legitimately give him issue him a summons. They publicly did this so that they could look like however that is that they wanted to look. That's why they're doing it. Here's the issues I have. You have a civil lawsuit out the rear end because now you have a Georgia staff member that they project going at what they call it in law enforcement is the word advised or approximately. They never give an exact thing. Jalen Carter, it's now been proven, was a mile ahead of LaCroix and Wilk Willock in this alleged race. Joe, do you know what vehicles are doing a mile behind you? Can you see them? Because I will tell you, I don't know. No. Okay. So how would he know in that incident? That's why they're not, I mean, they're don't they don't have a lot on him. Now, the biggest issue I have here, and it's gonna be issued for me saying victim blaming. LaCroix was driving 104 miles an hour with a blood alcohol content of 1.97, double the legal limit. But yet Jalen Carter is going to face the wrath of this? Now, did he make a dumb decision? Probably. Did, does he need to stay away from doing stupid stuff like that? Yeah. Did he also go back to the scene a police officer said? They gave him a you know what they call a field sobriety test. And he has no what they call nystagmus, which is when your eyes, when they do the little pin, okay, when your eye gets to the corner, it starts fluttering. It's a sign that you're under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Mm. My, my bottom line in here is this, is that you know that he wasn't drinking, but she was, okay? At some point, you got to blame somebody else besides all this. Now, it's extremely unfortunate that she lost her life. It's extremely unfortunate that he, that a young man lost his life. But I I think that we I, I think that we get into a situation where you get so far down the line on this that you can't see the forest through the trees. I'll give another example. Now I know this isn't football, Joe. Brandon Miller. His attorneys came out and said that he was not blocking the victims in with his vehicle, that they had vivid, that his attorney said that they had video evidence of the suspects or 
defendants rather going to Brandon Miller's car and getting out a handbag or overnight bag that he allegedly had clothes in it that how could you have knowledge that there's a gun in the bag okay there are so many reports that come out of this that are so highly inaccurate that go disproven that nobody faces the ramifications of if they're wrong in cases like this I spoke with an assistant um, GM today who has a top 10 pick I said what about the news today he goes listen with all due respect if Jalen Carter's at 10 and we know what we already know right now we're taking him okay I don't think he's falling to where some people believe that he will yeah so the way that I look at this by the way I think that the circumstance of this though and I maybe it's because of there not being totally fully accurate reported information I thought that what the circumstance was is that he left the scene and then this is what I read an article in CBS Sports is that he left the scene and denied that he was racing and then he came back and admitted that he is that was against the law to leave the scene that well that's what I don't I don't totally know so that so, that, so, so I'm gonna take he denied his involvement take, I, well we don't know that okay right how do you deny your involvement when the police were saying in a police report that you showed up to the scene right so I think that there, which is why I don't want to get into the semantics of the details because I think I, that there I do is think a lot. Those specific semantics are yeah. are the ones that we should focus on, though. If there right. is any semantics that you need to focus on, Joe, it's those. So as an example, okay, is it? Well, Blake, he left the scene. What is that a crime? Hey, did he kill somebody? Did he? Fit- right. He he did not physically have an involvement in this, but it's just Correct. a matter of if. If he is separately still, though, being charged in in a way for removing the situation of what happened with his teammates, it's just him being directly involved with race racing and reckless driving and overtaking vehicles like that's not a horrible, terrible thing. And if there is a determination of him, I didn't fully know that there was a confirmation that he was not intoxicated. That was part of my worry. that That is that is now been confirmed. By the Athens Police Department. Here's what we know that they was said. that recently confirmed because like that was this no, morning. Was, I didn't it see was, it. It was this morning. I like got so. It. I went to the Atlanta. Let me tell you what I did just to make sure that I got this story as accurate as I could. Yeah. The Atlanta Journal Constitution is behind a paywall. I subscribed for the day. Got the article. Read the article. Printed the article that we have right here, and then unsubscribed. Okay, just so I could get their full reporting on this. Here's what we know now to be confirmed, though, because they had, and here's the biggest thing that nobody is talking about, they had to revise what they said. Here's what we know that's been confirmed, okay? the D, That she would, would should have been charged, meaning LaCroix, for a DWI, that she should have been uh, also charged in racing and reckless driving. But here's the biggest thing for me, Joe. They assume based off of what they could tell, is that if Jalen Carter was racing at the time of impact of the wreck, he had to have been at minimum a mile away from the scene before the accident happened. Okay. That so, are, that part I do, I do recall so, seeing. Yeah. So if that is the case and that's true, okay, if that's the case, he, he didn't leave a scene. You cannot confirm to me that someone can look a mile behind them and say, it, you just can't. Now, yeah. 
he came back. So the reason that they're putting it in there and why they're saying he, he left the scene is because he came back. They would have never known it, it, that he was involved outside of possibly the two individuals that were also in the car. Uh, let me get their names very quickly. Hold on. Um, Warren McClendon and Victoria Bowles, they could have, or Bowles, however you say it, they would have never known that he was involved. And, and so we're the, 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 the problem that I have here, Joe, is mm-hmm. that there's so many, um, What's the word I'm looking for here? There's so many, the, the mob, the, the Twitter mob is out, it feels like, to get Jalen yes. Carter on this, yeah. where I, I sit here and say, like, man, not everybody deserves to be arrested. Not everyone, like, deserves to serve time. Like, you're taking away someone's, a 21-year-old kid's freedom for something that, quite honestly, that if she were still alive, Chandler LaCroix would have been, would have been accused of and arrested for herself. Right. That I'm I'm totally on the same page with you with. I think that to take this as far as him serving jail time, I don't think that that makes a lot of sense with this, with all the details that are out there. Um, but from the NFL draft perspective, it doesn't surprise me that I think that there are teams that are still willing to take Jalen Carter. I think that there will, however, not every team, are going to be teams that are going to be very freaked out and unwilling to touch him. Just because of the parameters of the situation that the driver who was killed and the impact of what happened in that vehicle is that they were drunk and they were driving. There's going to be a lot of NFL teams that might be lazy and might just immediately throw it out. Well, let me just ask you this and continue to go. Why? Because I think the NFL is is so overly protective sometimes. There's some teams that I think they get freaked out so easily. There's ones like the Browns who don't care about you know, morally reprehensible things, but there are other teams that are very corporate. You just took what I just said. I mean, you literally got Deshaun Watson with 30 cases of allegedly raping women, and you're going to tell me, Jalen, this is worse? Oh, I'm not saying that it's worse. I know that you're not. Yes. I'm using that as a... Right. That's the the point. I think that with some of these franchises that they're very corporate corporate and, and careful that they're not thinking, oh, I don't want to draft a guy who's going to jail. I think it's, I don't want to draft a guy who on a Thursday night before a game on in week 10 is going to do something stupid because his decision-making is not all there. And this is, he again, he did not kill anybody. He did not have direct involvement in the death of the people that were killed. But he is being tied to this for reckless driving and for racing on the road and overtaking vehicles and assuming that he is untouchable. And I think that there's going to be NFL teams that think of like, why do I want to bring somebody into this locker room that is not going to make the right decisions? There's a lot of coaches who think like that too. Like, why would I add somebody into the locker room who has a proof of, even though there are articles that say that he's a great kid, that he was paying for the food of his walk-on teammates. He seems like he's a very nice kid. We spoke to him very briefly at the college football playoff stuff. He seems like a very nice, quiet kid. I don't think he's an ass or anything like that. I think he just made a really stupid decision and the NFL sometimes freaks out over stuff like this all right can we move on to a different topic i know yeah i think we've we've taken the course of this but it was important to discuss no i I agree and i think that you know i know that our buddy eric weinberger is going to probably make me and you and two others or whatever do a draft show and i know it's something that we will (laughs) we will talk about that entire time yeah i hope that this year it's laid back and i don't have to run anything maybe i could just be like a just a you know like a co-host i don't have to be like a host anymore like you know eric i I, i'm begging for i'm begging 
for that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so anyway, let's let's transition here. I just hope to end this from from my from my standpoint. I just pray for the victims' families. I pray for Devin's family. I pray for Chandler's family. Okay, like they lost a daughter. Yeah. Okay. So let's not get that twisted. All right. Let's transition. So, Joe, on a much lighter note and a lighter topic, actually, let me do something very quickly. Let me put on. Oh, he's putting the hat on. He's putting the LSU hat on. Jesus. Let me put on my hat. My hat of my hat of fandom and 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 then the fans, they love it. If you missed it, a couple days ago. Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman had some very interesting comments about former Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly. He was on some Notre Dame, you could, I think, ND recruiting. Player. It was a former player. Uh, uh, Chris Sorich, I believe, was his podcast. It was a clip pulled from that podcast that was put on a Notre Dame recruiting uh, Twitter account. He was on with a former player. Okay. So I'm going to give the direct quote. What Marcus Freeman said about Brian Kelly, and I'm going to give you the rebuttal. Let's argue about it. Everybody hit the like and share because it's about to go down. Marcus Freeman said he's talking about, he's talking, he's saying, telling a story about how he's talking to Brian Kelly. He says, Coach, you wouldn't have even talked to this kid a couple of years ago. He is from the inner city, or he comes from the inner city. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you something. I know that you think, that this is not a dig at Brian Kelly. But he said, Coach, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have even talked to this kid a couple years ago. It, he doesn't say Notre Dame wouldn't have talked to these kids a couple years ago. He doesn't say Notre Dame wouldn't allow Brian Kelly to recruit these kids a couple years ago. Basically, what he's saying is, is I'm recruiting better than Brian Kelly. Whether you believe that or not, it's what he's saying. Here's the issue, the main issue I have with this. It's statistically and, and highly inaccurate, the statement that Brian Kelly was not going into the inner city and recruiting kids. Let me tell you of a couple of recruiting classes of where some recruits came from before Marcus Freeman and his little pretty boy hair came when he came to Notre Dame. Let me tell you where some of the recruits came from. You ready? Three guys came from St. Louis, Missouri. Four guys came from Atlanta, Georgia. One guy came from New Orleans and is currently on his roster named Logan Diggs. One came from Chicago, Illinois. Another from Jackson, Mississippi. Two came from Compton, California. Straight out of Compton. Mother, my name's Ice Cube. You remember that song? Compton, yes. bitch. Then you got Fort Wayne, Indiana. Don't you dare try to make an excuse of what's going on at Notre Dame of it being even remotely Brian Kelly's fault. Now, it was posted on my message board and other message boards that Notre Dame legitimately, legitimately, their first four stories on on three Notre Dame, two, four, seven Notre Dame, is Brian Kelly hires Jan, uh, John Jancic. Brian Kelly hires Bob Dieco. Uh, what was the other one? Something, oh, Marcus Freeman takes shot at Brian Kelly. The top three stories at Notre Dame revolved around Brian Kelly. I just got to tell you something, Joe. From a guy that covers LSU, a fan of LSU, it's time for y'all to shut up and move on. Here's the bottom line. 
whether you like it or not, every single program has their faults. Every single program has something that they got to overcome. Most teams in the South, it's being stupid, okay? That's something that they have to overcome. Well, the truth is they're winning natties. Get, try to get on board before you talk. Here's the ultimate thing before I give you the floor on Marcus Freeman. Before you open your mouth about talking about another coach, Brian Kelly or anybody, you got to beat Marshall. You have to beat Stanford. Quite honestly, Brian Kelly had more inner than he can and Baton Rouge and recruited them. And I know for a damn right fact was in the most dangerous neighborhood in Louisiana. By the way, per capita is the murder capital in the United States per capita in New Orleans and was greeted with open arms to recruit a kid. So you're going to have to explain to me why he says, Brian Kelly, coach, you wouldn't have even talked to this kid. He's in the inner city. Go ahead. Look, I think this is perfect offseason fodder. I, I, this is the perfect thing that it's being reported on and it's turning into a story on these various websites because there's nothing to talk about. This is the, what we do. We read so a, if this we, wait, wait. season. I would be calling for Marcus Freeman's head. Don't you dare but tell me that this is all. I'm not saying I'm not direct, I'm not directing this at you. I'm just saying in general, we tend to do this that when there are statements made by people in the off season, we really read into the wording and we we like to debate over it. Okay, I see very this. quickly, very yes. quickly. Tell me how I'm supposed to receive. I talked to Brian Kelly and I said, Coach, you wouldn't have even talked to this kid. He's from the, uh, he's uh, a couple years ago, he's from the inner city. Because what being you, a Notre Dame fan, this up? being a Notre Dame fan and knowing the history of Notre Dame recruiting and the way that, that, that this school, from an admission standpoint, from a, a sports recruiting standpoint, they have deliberately been one of the most restrictive schools in the country just overall. One of the best examples that I have. That Notre Dame well, was holding Brian Kelly back? Yes, absolutely. I'll sit here and admit that. And I know right now that, that they're holding Marcus Freeman back. I absolutely do believe that with the whole Andy Ludwig situation. I'm not happy with the way that Notre Dame has conducted themselves recently. But I think the most Fair prime point. example is that in Lou Holtz's book, I, I, I read it recently. It's a fantastic book. They talked about how Tony... <laughs> Did you Tony like Rice, this? don't make fun of Lou Holtz. <laughs> he is a saint. Uh, Tony Rice, who is, who is one of the best players in Notre Dame history, he talked about in the book how he had great grades. He was a great academic student, very smart kid, but was not up to the Notre Dame standard. And he offered him a scholarship, but admissions came to Lou Holtz and said, you can't let this kid in. This kid can't join the program. He fought a, 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 to no end. To get him onto the team, he gray-shirted, he had to get up to the academic standards, and he got him onto the football team. That is what the standard used to be, and it has been that way for a long time. It has gradually eased up, and the whole point of this comment is not saying, Brian Kelly, you would not have recruited guys in the inner city. It is saying that the University of Notre Dame, which is notoriously stingy and uh, overly preppy, would not have admitted certain guys into their into their school and would not have allowed certain um uh, certain individuals certain not individuals but allow for looser restrictions on academics and background to come into the university part of what he talks about in the rest of this quote why i believe that this is the most accurate part is that 
I think that him talking about how the whole ACT score thing is he'd rather have somebody with a lower score, a, a lesser a lesser student than somebody with a high score that is pompous and that thinks that they can just waltz their way into Notre Dame and carry themselves through it. His whole point is that he wants to go and get kids that want to show up and work and not kids that want everything handed to them. That's the whole well, point. He's not talking Brian about Brian Kelly's name up. Because he's just talking about a conversation that he no, had with them. Let me, no, because he knows. Hold on one second. Awesome, buddy. Okay, you can go ahead. Tell, say hey to Mr. Joe. All right. Hi, Ben. All right, go play. Go play. Close day's door. Let me just – then you do not have to bring up Brian Kelly's name. He's just trying to illustrate that when they had these conversations and they were having these conversations in the past – that it was a point of contention, maybe, you know, maybe it was it was something that was no. Up. Let me tell you, let me tell you the. Let, can I just tell you how it, how I feel about what he's trying to say from the outside looking in? Yeah, he got his ass kicked by Marshall. He got his ass kicked by Tennessee, and he's trying to build up the fan base and saying, "Guys, it's better. We're doing better things. You got to give me time because we're recruiting better than Brian Kelly did." The only reason you bring up that story is to try to save your hide. Now, I mentioned earlier. Now, I'm going to throw LSU under the bus. You ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, because we're not above reproach. I, I say we, but LSU is not above reproach, okay? You know who used to do the same type of stuff? Orgeron. Orgeron was notorious, notorious for throwing a go uh, somebody under the bus. It happened every single week. We not just Ed, we see coaches doing that every week. Scott Frost did it. Scott Frost was the king among kings of throwing coach, co other coaches and previous administrations underneath the bus. Here's a news flash. Okay. If that's the problem, you don't have to take the job. If you're Marcus Freeman, you already knew this. This is something that you're talking about that's already underlined. That's something that's already happened. Brian Kelly legitimately came out in the middle of the season, the year that he left to come to LSU, and he called out. Tom Rinaldi was the guy that did the interview. Go back and listen to it. He said they will not take the shackles off of what we need to do in recruiting. That is nobody's fault other than Brian, other than Notre Dame restricting Brian Kelly. And it's nobody's fault that Marcus Freeman has these issues with the administration other than Marcus Freeman. Joe, I will tell you this right now. Sources. Here's some new, here's some news for your ass. Marcus Freeman was offered by Brian Kelly and LSU to be the highest paid defensive coordinator, not just defensive coordinator, yes. the highest coordinator in the country. Yes. He, he would have come damn near really close to with the way that our state works and the incentive to, that he gets in the taxes uh, on the back end in reference to housing, in reference to all, vehicle, all this type of stuff, would have damn near came really close to making somewhere capable of the $5 million that he's making right now at Notre Dame. Don't tell me that you didn't know. I, I'm not saying that he didn't know. I'm sure that he knew what he was stepping into. He wanted to be a head coach. He wanted to lead this program and a group of guys, a recruiting class that he brought to Notre Dame and one that he thought he was bringing to in this current class, but he lost a bunch of the guys, uh, a bunch of the key big players like Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen. I and think he knew what he was what stepping into. Thank you for co also confirming a little bit of a point. I think 
that Notre Dame and Notre Dame fans have to be a little more realistic when it comes to who they actually are. I'm try to be as realistic as possible. I think I'm more realistic than most no, Notre Dame are. fans. I'm not, but I'm not saying you. I'm talking about in general. Yeah. Yes. Like, you got guys out there that are uh, puffing up this. Who's the guy that they hired again? Why is his name slipping? My, slipping. Uh, the QB coach or or Gerard? Ger- no, the the new OC. The the Cincinnati. Oh no, Gerard. Uh, Jared. Gerard. Yeah, or, Parker. Jared, Jared Gerard, Parker. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. Stupid name. Regardless of that, okay. Now that I couldn't remember his name, I'm kind of lo- a little bit of losing my thought process, but. Regardless of what's going on, Notre Dame. Oh no, here we go. Notre Dame has to understand just because. And Joe, I, I say this. It's like, please, t- Joe. When I die, I want you to do me a favor. On my tombstone, I want you ready to tell soon. my. Well, I want you to <laughs> tell my wife to put this on my tombstone. You ready? Okay. okay. It does. It doesn't mean two Rudy poos who you are or that you're blue blood when that ball kicks off. Notre Dame has hit a ceiling, and I don't think that they can get back to that ceiling with Marcus Freeman. You had one of the better coaches in college football. Mm -hmm. You settled in hiring Marcus Freeman when the truth be told, you knew, I knew, Santa Claus knew, Jesus knew, in the name of the Holy, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they knew that Luke Fickle wanted to take that job. It is BS that every single fucking month we got to come out here and have a debate of Notre Dame people trashing Brian Kelly and talking shit about LSU. The four main stories, the four main stories that Notre Dame had revolved around Brian Kelly within the last 48 The guy hours. was there for, for a decade or however long he was there. Of course we're going to talk about Brian Kelly. Of course Brian, we didn't talk about, about We don't what? talk. LSU does not talk about Nick Saban the way that you guys talk about Kelly. How long was Nick Saban at LSU? I think what guys help me in the chat six or seven years. He won the first national championship at LSU in 2003 when they were not even remotely relevant since 1958. But he's also look, he's hiring up guys who are a part of his former staff. Of course, we're going to talk about Brian Kelly. Of course, of course, when Marcus Freeman's telling a recruiting story, he's going to bring up Brian Kelly. He's trying to talk about how he's trying to change things. One of the other things, too, that I know. And we lost Blake. One of the other things, too, that I know about Marcus Freeman and his approach and and doing a show with a guy who is uh, covering Notre Dame recruiting and Ryan Roberts, who I do my draft show with. I talk to him every day about how the approach is trying to go to different regions and areas to recruit. And it's just as simple as also not recruiting Texas. And now they're actively trying to recruit Texas more. Marcus Freeman's trying to do things differently. And also on top of that, as much as we want to sit here and say LSU finished with a better recruiting class than Notre Dame did. They did. But well, yes, that is true. But Marcus Freeman at the same time still finished with the best recruiting class that Notre Dame has had in a long time. That's also not true. Well, how is it not true? They had the best recruiting better, I better class than anything that Brian these Kelly had. Kids, these kids from the inner for the inner city thing, they had the they had a better recruiting class than anything Brian Kelly had. You don't have Kyle Hamilton on your roster right now. They they lost oh, no. two five stars. Stop, stop, stop. 
you do not have a Kyle Hamilton on your roster right now. He was there before Marcus Freeman got there. And you want to tell me that Marcus Freeman's a better recruiter. Well, then guess what? If you're a better recruiter, you can go get a Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton was oh, oh by the way, was under-recruited. And Quentin Nelson, because you don't have those. And then all of a sudden, you get better, you get rid Charles of Charles Jagasaw is a highly rated recruit. What are you talking about? They have so they have one of the best offensive line recruiting classes that they've had you, in a long pro time. Pro football focus puts you at the 35 overall offensive line. Yeah, this past year. Okay. You know how far it fell? Because wait. Hold on. Hold on. Do you know how far you fell? He's not the offensive line coach. He's the entire coach for the entire program. But he's not the offensive line coach. The Joe, talent is Joe, on that right. The head coach is responsible for every single unit on that field. Yes, absolutely. But if there's a drop-off, it's I put more play no, on the, the offensive drop line off coach. Just walked out the door, and you better be careful if his happy ass isn't in Baton Rouge in two weeks. Who cares if he goes to Baton Rouge? They just okay. had a great Sounds recruiting good. class. They just You're had a great recruiting a, class. A program nine. that has not been relevant since 1988. They finished ninth after they lost two kids who were five stars during the recruiting cycle. It doesn't matter who's committed. Jamar Chase, at one point in time under Les Miles, was committed to Kansas. But no, but that's not what I'm getting at. They didn't have a massive drop-off. It's not like they were hanging you their hat on. You lost five stars. What do you mean you didn't have a massive drop-off? They didn't, they didn't fall ago, out of the top ten. Ago, they had a well-rounded class. Seven months they, ago, seven months ago, you were the number one overall class in the country. You fell all the way down to 11th. They still finished with one of the best recruiting classes that they've ever had. It's one of the most well-rounded recruiting classes that they've ever had. Oh, well -rounded we talk recruiting about the restrictions classes. that they have. Brian Kelly's had multiple top 10 classes at Notre Dame. And you're going to say this is the best class? You better pray to sweet mother of Notre Dame that you got a good recruiting class. But I promise you, you do not have a Kyle Hamilton on that roster right now. Tell me I'm wrong. Kyle, Kyle Hamilton wasn't a wrong. highly recruited kid. He was a exactly he was a four-star. There Peyton Bowen was a higher rated recruit than Peyton Kyle Hamilton Bowen was. Does Kyle not Hamilton matter was to you anymore. Kyle Hamilton was a three-star until the end of the cycle. Joe, he was rated in the top 100. What are you talking about? That didn't happen until the end of the recruiting cycle. He, for the most part of the recruiting cycle, was under-recruited. He was oh, under-recruited. So Brian Kelly went into the inner city of Atlanta and got him? He went to a private school in Atlanta. Joe, let me just tell you something how it works in the South, because you're not from here and you've never been here, but maybe like a handful of times. A lot of kids go to prep schools. Okay. You know why? Okay. Most kids that are extremely talented, extremely Standing talented in, in the Jersey. South, go to prep schools for specific reasons. Okay. It's Yes, same thing. In, it's the same exact thing in New Jersey, okay? But there are other guys, and that what Notre Dame has to do yeah, to produce okay, like, success. What's the big, what's the big one in, in, in Jersey? St. Peter's and Seton Hall Prep and Don Bosco. And, Don Bosco, that's it. Yeah. Don Bosco. You mean to tell me that every, every kid from Jersey City and Atlantic City? No, no, no. That you're, right, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's besides the point. That's besides the point. They have and are capable, and ha they if they want to succeed, they don't have to go get the five-star. Doug Nose stars. says that Notre Dame finished seventh with Brian Kelly's last class. A, a lot of credit. But Marcus Freeman was there. 
So but like here's our, the problem with that though, Joe. A lot of people give credit for Marcus on, Freeman for that recruiting class. the problem with that. Who hired him? Oh my God, Brian Kelly hired him. But like, are we going to just like automatically but, discredit but everything that Marcus coach, Freeman's if done? If the head coach is fired from wins and losses and recruiting and everything, Joe, I don't think you understand right now. The head coach is over everything. He's I understand how that works. I understand how college okay, football works. Well, then he's over hiring Marcus Freeman. But I like I'm I'm supposed to ignore the fact that that Marcus Freeman gets credit behind the scenes for putting together a, a fantastic All right. the year before, class. The year before, the year before Marcus Freeman was there, you had the ninth overall class. The, he had fine recruiting classes. My point is, don't say it's better than anything Brian Kelly did when he's been there since the two, early it, it 2000s. It depends off years. of what site we go off of because the rankings are different per site. I believe on Joe, three had them at nine. What he's put into the year. NFL, you legitimately. Let, let me tell you something. You y'all, Notre Dame has an issue at wide receiver. It's yeah. like they're in a Harry Potter book with the invisibility cloak. They never show up. Now clip that if you want to. That's how most Notre Dame skill positions work. Yeah. And then one of your running backs comes from a per capita, one of the most dangerous places on the country in the country, and you'd say he didn't go into the inner city? But, it, but forget the inner city part for a quick second here for what we're debating on. I would argue that they had they had a lot of freakish talent. Miles Boykin, Chase Claypool, Will Fuller, just to Who name recruited a few. it. Kevin Austin. Who recruited, recruited him? And they didn't do shit at Notre Dame because they were misused. They were talented. They weren't productive at Notre Dame as Will good as Fuller they could have been. Will Fuller was misused at wide receiver. Will Fuller is the only one who's not. Miles Chase Boykin, was Kevin mis- Austin, and also Boykin stunk. They were all great athletes, though. They weren't. They weren't Joe, developed. Everybody's a good athlete at that position and that and that high of a level of program. They you weren't don't developed under Brian Kelly. They weren't developed under Brian Kelly. Logan Diggs so and just, Austin. So let me. So let me get this straight, okay? You told me earlier that yep. Brian Kelly was held back by the administration. Yes or no? He was. And now you're arguing that he didn't have the better athletes. He had good athletes, but not like super high. So, he didn't have any so again, recruits. you can't come in here and say that Brian Kelly was restricted in who he could go after and that Marcus Freeman is fighting for that now and say, that, oh, it's Brian Kelly's fault, which you should be doing, not you, just me and Notre Dame fans. You okay. know that. I love you. Notre Dame fans should be picketing outside the Jesus statue, calling for your AD to be fired. And for the priest to be, re- and for the priest to, I don't know what the word is. The like I can ask, like re re priested. I, I don't know the word. Get him out of there. In, 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 in preached, in preached, in preached. Whatever it is, it's not the word. I'm just. I was. Never mind. Uh, I was trying to put it to to make a pun. That was a terrible pun. Look, I, you and I can scream about this for hours, but I I think that just from the the original argument, I think that there is. It feels as though there is a, just in general, I'm not saying you, a willingness as much as Notre Dame fans and pundits are trying to say that we're talking about Brian Kelly and we're trying to take a shot at Brian Kelly. You are. I think that LSU fans also at the same time might be reading into this as there's drama when there isn't. I don't think that there is drama. I think everyone needs to calm calm down. I think everyone needs to calm down. There isn't drama. How can you come in here and blame LSU fans when he's the one that made, how else am I supposed to read that? As I explained it, as I explained it earlier, it has nothing to do with him. It has nothing to do with him. 
last point I'm going to make on this. Yeah. As the great little Wayne once said, keep my name out your goddamn mouth. He'll be. They're going to be attached to each other for the entirety of their careers. Bet you Brian Kelly's just longer at LSU's than what Marcus Freeman's is at Notre Dame. Probably. Probably. And I wouldn't be shocked if in five years from now, Marcus Freeman isn't on Brian Kelly's coaching staff in some uh, uh, formation if he doesn't figure things out at Notre Dame. Y'all don't give a shit about football. No, apparently not anymore. And I said this on the show. Apparently not. Um, do we want to get get to the... Uh, yeah, very quickly. Reassigned is what we were looking for. The chat's live right now. Dude. You, you didn't get my uh, <laughs> get my really stupid joke that I said. I that- didn't until I did until Blaze Ledette said impreached. <laughs> <laughs> preached. Oh, I guess joke. I don't go there with my mind when it comes to like political things. You know, like I I just don't. All right, Ugh. all right. Let's wrap this up. Yeah, so Joe, a, quick a couple of, very quick because I got to roll. Yeah. All right, so there were three new additions to the college football playoff committee. Uh, Hall of Fame coach Chris Alt, which I like. My AD of Miami of Ohio, Dave uh, David Saylor, and Washington AD Jennifer Cohen. Your thoughts? The way that I am reading into this is that I, I think that the grouping that they went with is fine. It's not exciting, though. It's not one where I'm like, okay, we're making a step in the right direction. This feels like we're just kind of plugging in here, you know. We're just kind of throwing some people in here just to fill the holes. I, I, I want a revolutionary, you know. I want somebody that's going to step in and think differently. And instead, you know, you know, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, all I was going to say is instead we're we're just constantly rehashing with former coaches and athletic directors at programs that are not consistently competitive at every sport that they're a part of. I I want some different minds. Okay? I want well, some You know what I would do? I've been thinking about this all day. I want conference think. commissioners. That's what I want. Former well, conference yeah. commissioners. Who is the who's Andrew Luck's father? Um 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 Andy Luck. Andy Not Luck. Andy. Yeah, he was at the AD the at West Virginia. Like he should that's somebody I call and I pick up the phone for. Well, I let me throw this down at you. You're not going to like some of these panel members, but I think for solidarity and to get everybody involved here from each conference, I would have guys like Danny Cannell. I would have like Matt Leinart. I'd have like Brady Quinn. You know who another guy I'd have? Urban Meyer in there. I'd have Booger McFarlane. <clears throat> I would probably have Marcus Spears. Like, yep. like there's so many dudes that I, if you're going to do a committee system, like let's get real dudes in here. Right. Yes. Like, let's get real dudes in here. And this is no shot at these two people. David Saylor and Washington AD Jennifer Cohen were selling popcorn in the stands. Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio and Washington. Like, is that exciting it for us? To, it goes to my point from a couple so- episodes ago when I sit here and just say to myself, like, dog, you hired Condoleezza Rice and you hired a mathematician from the University of Cal. Joe, let me just tell you something. I don't know anything about fashion. I don't know anything about math. I do I, like quantum ma- mathematics. Okay. I don't know quantum mathematics. You know what I do know? Football. This guy has no business whatsoever being in here. Like Joe, uh, Joe says in the chat, why don't you put Peyton Manning in there? Well, wasn't his father 
haunted at one point for a very brief period of time. Archie goes to meetings and falls asleep. Yeah, he's old. I knew that was. I knew you were going to say. I knew you were going to say something. All right, this last story, and I got to go. Let me tell you a quick story. Did you hear about Archie Manning the first time that Peyton Manning went into an offensive meeting at Tennessee? No. David Cutcliffe, Philip Fulmer, Peyton Manning, and Archie Manning are in a room watching film. Okay. It's during the offseason. And Philip Fulmer's not really saying anything. He's letting David Cutcliffe talk, and they're breaking down film. Peyton says he hears this in the back. <laughs> it's Archie sleeping. Okay. Peyton says he gets infuriated. He hits his dad and goes, Dad, stop. He, Archie looks up and says, Son, I wouldn't let you come here if I thought they were going to teach you something wrong. <laughs> his hat, he puts it over his face. He goes back to sleep. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> really good story. All right, we got to wrap uh, up here tonight. We'll be back Saturday, though, Joe. Yes. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. A lot of big things happening for the Rafino and Joe show. Until Saturday, we'll see y'all soon. Y'all have a good night. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Later.